All right, well, if you have your Bibles, um, open back up to the Gospel of Matthew. Don't mind me, I made a mess up here. There we go. All right, well, we're going to be looking at verses 13 and 14 tonight. Let's just go ahead and um, read that as we get started here. Just two verses. Um, Again, two verses I'm sure you're pretty familiar with. Starting at verse 13, it says this, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. So if you have been um, awake over the last 20 years, you're probably familiar with um, what's known as the Marvel Universe. I've talked about that before in some sermons. And, um, you know, basically what it is is a bunch of movies based off a bunch of kind of superhero comic book characters um, that are all kind of linked together and connected um, in, in a really cool way. And, and, and in the movies, this all culminates together in these um, movie films called The Avengers. Anybody ever seen The Avengers or heard of them? Come on, I know I'm not the only one. I know some of you have seen it. Okay, there we go. Thank you for the particip- participation. Anyways, um, um, with the Avengers, all these superheroes kind of come together and they uh, partner together with kind of the common threat to the universe. And the biggest threat came in the, uh, I guess it would have been probably the, the third movie, um, which was um, Infinity War, where this villain named Thanos... Uh, came and threatened pretty much to destroy 50% of all life in all of the universe. And, and in the movie, um, Thanos has this glove in which he's connecting what's called like these infinity stones, and there's six of them. And, and once he gets all six of them, he's going to be like this all-powerful being, and he's going to be able to do, do his will, which in, in his mind was pretty much to destroy um, all, pretty much half of the life in, in the whole universe, universe at the time. And, and anyways, um, he, throughout the movie, he begins to collect these things, these stones, and as he does, he becomes more powerful and more powerful, and by the end of the movie, he's become so powerful that even the combined efforts of all the Avengers combined can't fight against him. And at this point, um, one of the missing stones that that he had left was the stone from uh, Doctor Strange. And there's this scene in this movie where um, some of the Avengers, after this big battle, they're looking over and they see Strange there and he's like in this trance and he's kind of like going, his face is all over the place and stuff and he finally wakes up and they ask him, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? He says, well, I was, I was scanning through all the possible future outcomes of how this ends. And, and they asked him, well, how many did you see? And he says, well, I looked at 14,605 possible outcomes. And the next question they asked him, well, how many do we win? To which he answered, one. And then there's this scene where, to the horror of the rest of the Avengers, Doctor Strange willingly passes over this final piece to the the puzzle and Thanos' wrist, and, and they asked him, what are you doing? And he told them, this was the only way that we win. And the interesting thing about this movie is, is that uh, for them to win, Thanos actually does. He snaps his finger and, and half of the universe disappears essentially and, and there's great sorrow and, and in the next movie there's a lot of sacrifice and a lot of things that are going on and, and, in happening, and, and happening. But when it all comes to the end, they won 
because they were willing to sacrifice, they were willing to do what it took to, to make, find victory in that, that one way. Um, now, I share this illustration, um, obviously not to promote a movie, because um, it was although pretty good, you know. Uh, I share this because of, of, of this. It, it's, it has to do something to do really what we're talking about today, this idea of only one way. You know, when it comes to our lives, there is this stark reality that there's an end game for all of us. You know, every person who has ever lived, every person who is alive today has a reality of two things. We're going to die, and we're going to face um, eternity somewhere. You know, what determines the end game of our lives as individuals is, is what we do with this choice that Jesus presented us here in our verses today, this choice between two gates, two roads, or two paths of life, and two places that will become um, our, our final destination, and which we choose is quite honestly the most important decision that we'll ever make in our lives. You know, when it comes to this world, there, there, there is and there has never been a shortage of views or, or opinions about things like the meaning of life, about uh, what heaven is and what it looks like, and really especially if, if there is a heaven, how does one get there? For as far back as you look into history, peaceful people have always recognized that this world is not all there is. You know, there's just, even in people that aren't Christians, there's just something inside of people that they recognize that there's more after this life. There's just something that they instinctively know. But uh, the question is, is what does that existence look like? You know, in, in, in people's minds, as if, if, if there is a heaven, how does one get there? You know, I'm sure that as Jesus was speaking to this crowd on this mountainside up there in northern Israel, that this was a question that may have been going through the minds of, of a, number, a number of these people. You know, we don't know exactly who was there. We know this was a, a large Jewish population that had grown up under the, um, the teachings of the law. Um, but during this time, I mean, Jesus had ministered far and wide. I mean, there was more than likely Gentiles there, um, more than likely people with pagan backgrounds there, Romans and whoever. Um, and yet Jesus began here to speak about this road to life. You know, I can almost imagine as Jesus spoke these words to him. And, and again, it's at, it's, the, it's at the end of an incredible set of teachings, difficult teachings about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to, be, to become one of his disciples, what's required for us to do that. And, and it's almost like he's at the end of his sermon and he, and he begins to give the invitation. And he's, and he's making a call out to these people to make a decision, to choose who they're going to serve, which path of life they're going to go, to go to, and ultimately what final destination they desire to have. And as he does this, Jesus being the, the incredible illustrator that he is, again, we weren't there, so we can only speculate what this was like, but as we think about this verse, Jesus depicts it like this, it's is this option of these two gates. And, and I, I can picture him almost speaking to these people. And he says, I want, to, I want you to picture these two gates. This one here, it's, it's wide. It's, it's broad. It's, 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 it's got this road that, that is, you can see through here. You can't see over the horizon, but 
boy, the, the road's wide and there's all people, all kinds of people just walking back and forth and they look happy and they, they look content. It's a, it's a smooth road. It's a road that looks pleasing to the, to, to the eye. It's, it, it's a road that so many people are, are traveling on. Traveling on. But, he, but Jesus may have said, but I want you to notice something in your mind. He says, just picture this. You can see this road. You can see this gate. But you can't see over the horizon. You, you can't see where this road leads. The road looks good. But you don't know where that road's going. He says this road may seem to, to be good, but it's a road that ends in destruction. He says many people choose this way, but its end is death. Its end is hell. And, and then maybe he turns and says, now picture this narrow gate. Th th this gate that's so tight and so small that you could only squeeze through it one person at a time. There's no room to take anything with you through the gate. You've got to leave everything behind as you go through it. There's going to be times that you may feel like you're alone on this road of head. And, and he said, I don't want you to picture as you're looking at this, this narrow winding road and you notice those shadows around the corner that you can't see. And, and boy, it looks dangerous and it looks difficult. And, and the people that are on that road look like they're, they're struggling. Even some of them look like they're suffering. And you're not going to find many people on that road, but I want you to notice that you can't see over the horizon of that road either, but even though that road is difficult, it's a road that ends in eternal life. It, it's a road that, that ends in heaven, and you may suffer for a while on the journey, but it's a journey that in the end is going to be worth it. And as he gives them these two options, just ask them this question, which way are you going to choose? You going to take the narrow gate, or are you going to take the broad gate? Because there's not a third choice. You have to choose one or the other. Will you choose life, or will you choose death? Will you choose heaven, or will you choose hell? Now, obviously, I don't know how that conversation with the people went. I mean, we can only, again, imagine the questions that were going through these people, people's minds. And, and, you know, there's just a couple verses here. I mean, is it possible that Jesus just made these statements and it went on? It's possible. Um, in my mind, I mean, Jesus being the teacher that he was, I have no doubt that many people had questions. And could this have been a conversation that, uh, that, that it ensued as he was talking about this? And I mean, again, I, I really don't know, but if I had to imagine with, with Jesus being the preacher that he was, this being the end of his sermon, my, my guess is that he, he began maybe to review with the people, and maybe he told them, all that I have taught you here is, is what it's going to take to be my disciple. If you want to follow me, it's a, it's a choice that you have to make as an individual. It's going to be a hard road to follow me. It's not going to be an easy road. I can assure you that if you follow me, there's going to be difficulties ahead. But if you follow me, if you trust me, I can promise you that in the end it will be worth it. And maybe he even said, I am the narrow gate. Follow me. Now, at the time, I'm sure this would have been confusing to some of these people because, mind you, we had the finished story and they didn't. 
at the time, right? I mean, Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. He had not yet been buried and rose again. The work of salvation was not complete. But make no mistake, Jesus was very, very much talking about himself when he says, enter through the narrow gate. And the reason I know this is because we do have the rest of the story. You know, when Jesus said to choose this narrow gate, essentially what he was saying was, choose me. You know, in, in John chapter 10 and verse 9, Jesus even said, he says, I am the gate or I am the door, and those who come in through me will be saved. That's something else that Jesus said. Well, you know, when Jesus said, choose a path to walk, right? So you, it's not only choosing a gate, but it's choosing a path. Remember what he said in John 14 and, and verse 6, where he says, I am the way. I am the truth. And remember what he said at the end of the narrow road where it leads? He says, at the end, what do you find? Life. He's not only the way, he's not only the truth, but he says also, I am the life. And he says, nobody comes to the Father except through me. This was reiterated in the book of Acts in chapter 14 and verse 12 where the Apostle Paul said this, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is no mistake whatsoever that when Jesus was speaking of the narrow gate, he was specifically speaking of himself. He was telling the people that your only path to heaven, your only path to eternal life is through me. Now, as we think about this, again, I, I know this is going to be reviewed for most of us here, but Jesus, through what he did on the cross, opened up the gates of heaven. He opened up, really, the way as a disciple of Christ. You know, in, in Romans chapter 3, it tells us that before mankind, um, before Christ, mankind was completely and hopelessly lost in sin. You see, at this time Jesus was speaking this, the only hope of anybody, I mean, from all of eternity past, of all the people who had lived up to this point, they were dependent upon him going to a cross and dying and making that door open because that door wasn't yet opened. It was only opened when he went to the cross and, and did the work of salvation. And it's something that, um, it's a door we couldn't open by ourselves. You know, Ephesians 2 tells us that before Christ, people, all of us, we were all dead in sin because of our disobedience. So we lived in sin, we obeyed the devil, the commanders, the power of the unseen worlds. By our, by our very nature, it says we were subjects of God's wrath. Later on in Ephesians, it says that we were without Christ, we were without hope. And, and the only answer for those people that Jesus was speaking to, the only answer still for people today was Christ. If he had not done what he did, that door to heaven would still be shut. But this is why we, we have this famous verse, John chapter 3 and verse 16, that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes upon him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Why did God do this? Because of what Ephesians 2 says in verse 4. Because he is so rich in mercy. Because he loves us. Loved us so much that even while we were dead in our sins, he gave Christ for us. 
And it's only by His grace that we're saved. I mean, this is, the, this, this is the message of the gospel. This is what made the gate open for all of us. It's Jesus who made the way to heaven when there was no way. It was Him who made the impossible possible. It was, it was Him who changed our eternal destiny as people. Something that we absolutely in, in no way could have done by ourselves. And yet so many people today think that they can get there on their own. There are so many people of different religions, different backgrounds, different beliefs, even people sitting in churches every weekend that depend on something other than Christ and Him crucified. But the problem is Jesus says He's the only way. We can't do it on our own. It's not a gate that we could open by ourselves. It's a gate that only Christ could open, and it's a gate that we must walk through. See, it, it's a gate that requires a decision. As we think about um, this, 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 these couple of verses here, right there in the first part of verse 13, um, this really probably doesn't translate in this translation probably as good as it should. It says here, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Literally, this um, phrase in its original language was actually a command. Jesus was telling, Jesus was telling them, choose. He was telling them, enter through the narrow gate. He said, you have to make a choice. I'm telling you, I want you to enter through the narrow gate is what he was telling these people. There's two gates and you must choose one or the other. You can pick the wide and popular road that leads to hell or you can pick the narrow and difficult road that leads to heaven. It's your choice, but you have to make a choice. And that's a reality that's still true to this day. Every person has to make a choice what they're going to do with what Jesus has done. The question is, what will people choose? Will people choose the wide gate or the narrow one? Will they choose the path of least resistance or will they choose the, the difficult road of the follower of Christ? Will people choose heaven or will they choose hell? It's a choice people have to make. You know, contrary to popular modern belief, there are not many ways to heaven. There's this belief that's even infiltrated churches all over the world that it doesn't matter what you call God, it all ends up at the same place. You know, the Muslims call God Allah. We call God, God, and we believe in Christ, the Son, and, you know, the, the Hindus have a belief in a, in a God, the, the Buddhists have a belief in a God, and there's this, there's this mindset of people have, even Christians have, have muddled these together and say, well, it's still God, it's just, it's still heaven, we're all going to end up at the same place. But is that really true? Is that really what Jesus says? And the answer is no. So the question is then, is, is if there's only one way, if, if there's only one gate that leads to life, and we know that gate is Jesus, how then does one enter into that gate? Well, in a, in a passage of Scripture that, that we quote often in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul says this, if we openly declare that Jesus is Lord... 
and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. It's by openly declaring your faith that one is saved. So if a person wants to enter in this gate, it's, it's not enough just to know that the gate exists. It's not enough just to believe in the gate. One has to enter through. And so many people know about Jesus. They know what Jesus did. They believe what Jesus did. But they stop short of walking through the gate. They, they stop at a simple belief system. But that's not what Scripture tells us. Yes, a person does have to recognize their need for Jesus. But simply recognizing their need for Jesus, recognizing their need for their sins to be forgiven, that doesn't get one through the gate. What a person needs to understand is that they in themselves are bankrupt of any righteousness. They themselves have no hope of heaven apart from Jesus, but a person can even believe that and still be standing at the gate and not enter through. A person, as Romans 10 says here, we have to make Jesus Lord of our lives. It's a decision that we make that we, that we look at our wickedness, we look at our sin, we look at our depravity, we look at this reality that apart from Christ we are, are, have no hope except for hell. And we take that and we say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, become my Lord and my Master. I submit myself to your authority as my God and as my King. That, my friends, is what gets us through the door. It's not merely a belief that the gate exists. It's a decision that we have to make to actually walk through it. And it's a decision that people have to make as individuals. Because that narrow gate, it can only be people go in one at a time. You can't be pulled through by your parents. You can't be pulled through by the, the faith of your grandparents. You can't be pulled through by anything or anybody. It's a decision people have to make themselves. And requires a complete surrender of ourselves to Christ as Lord and Master of our lives. Jesus is not just some ticket to an easy ride to heaven. Following him is going to require us to give up everything, Scripture says, to follow him. How often do we hear the gospel shared like that? Well, just believe in Jesus, ask him in your heart, and go on and live your life. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what this passage of Scripture depicts as Jesus says it here, because coming to Christ is a decision that people cannot and must not take lightly. Because you can't walk through the gate without considering the narrow road that follows. See, Jesus says here that this narrow road is difficult. Literally, it's this idea of a compressed way, the idea of hard, difficult, challenging. Who knows that the road of a Christian life is hard? It's hard. There's suffering that takes place as a Christian. John 15, verses 18 and 19, this was Jesus speaking too. He says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you 
as one of its own. If you were on the broad road, the world would love you because you belong to it, but you're no longer part of that world. I chose you to come out of that world, and because of that, it hates you. We suffer because we're on the narrow road. We suffer at the hands of the people on the broad road. Simply because we've taken the name of Christ. See, that this road, this choice to walk through this narrow gate, to walk down this narrow road, it's a road we have to understand that's going to bring physical, emotional, spiritual stress to our lives. It's not a decision that we can take lightly. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew 10, verses 21 and 22. He says, because of him, he says, a brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. Children will rebel, rebel against their own parents and, and kill them. And all nations will hate you because you're my followers. This is the reality of a disciple of Christ. And it's not only that it's going to be difficult and, and stressful. It's not just the people on the broad road that are giving the people on the narrow road a tough time. We as God's people, once we walk through that gate, we become enemies of Satan. And he will do anything that he can, all that he can, to destroy us. He comes to seek, to kill, and destroy a lion out in the prowl, seeking one whom he may devour. Who is he looking for? The people on that narrow road. This is the reality of the Christian life. And not only is it difficult, but it's, it's a road that requires self-denial and sacrifice. In Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he said this, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. Can I tell you something? We cannot walk through the narrow gate and go down the broad road at the same time. We cannot go with Christ and stay the same. Before Christ, we were people controlled by sin, controlled by our sinful, selfish nature, living for our own pleasure. But once we choose that gate, we have to understand that we now have to deny ourselves of those things as a follower of Christ. See, what many people want to do these days is walk through the narrow gate and then live their lives on the broad road. And it don't work that way. The only people on the broad road are those who go through the broad gate. And as we'll see a couple, in a couple of weeks, there will be many, many people, it says in just a few verses after this, many people in the day of judgment that stand before Christ who think they walked through the narrow gate. They're going to say, Lord, Lord, we did this, we did that in your name. And he's going to say, I never knew you. You never walked through the narrow gate. You walked straight through the broad gate. You walked down the broad road your entire life. See, entering through the narrow gate of Jesus requires us to give up our own ways. Salvation, true salvation, requires us to repent from or turn from our sins. Turn from our old ways and choose to follow Him instead. Now, as I've said often, Nobody's perfect, right, as Christians. We, we all make mistakes. But there's a huge difference between a person who claims salvation in Christ, who chooses to walk on the broad road of life knowingly in sin, knowingly living a life apart from what Scripture says is right, 
There's a difference between the person who claims to be a Christian and chooses that and a Christian who has a struggle and is trying and is fighting to, to, to get through it and to get over it. They, they, they're, they're leaning on the Lord and they're, they're struggling through this thing, but they're, they're getting better by the... That is part of the narrow road. That's part of the reality of the narrow road. We're still going to struggle. We're still going to have problems. We're still going to have difficulties. It's not just... The, 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 the emotional, physical, spiritual stress um, from people that we deal with on that road. It, it's the internal stress that we deal with on that road as well. That, that struggle with sin, that struggle with that temptation, that, that constant, the constant voices in your head that Satan, the, the lies that he's telling us all the time, that's part of the reality of the narrow road. See, we have to consider that. This, the way to Christ is easy. I mean, it is just a decision that can be made in a split second. But if we don't count the cost, we'll never make it. But I, I can tell you this, the end is worth it. For those people that, that enter through that narrow gate, that choose that narrow road, Jesus says that the end is life. The end is eternity. With him, the end is, is heaven. A place of no suffering or pain, a place with no hurt or tears, no more death, a place of eternal joy and pleasure, a place where there's no Satan, no demons on your shoulder, no voices in your head, no temptation any longer that you're dealing with, no struggles, no baggage. It will be gone. Who looks forward to that day? I can't wait until we see Jesus. It's a place where we'll be forever with the Lord. And I can tell you that it's certainly better than the alternative. Because there's not a third choice. It's heaven or hell. It's the narrow gate or the wide one, the broad road or the narrow road, heaven or hell. It's one or the other, and people must choose. And for anybody else who, who walks through that broad gate, anybody who refuses to make Jesus Lord... The Bible describes hell as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. A place of eternal fire, eternal suffering. A place of no peace whatsoever because peace is only found in God. Do you realize that true happiness, joy, peace... Those are gifts from God. Even people that don't know Christ as Savior, people living in this world, there's this thing called common grace. They experience pleasures of this world because God's present. But once God's presence is removed, and God's presence, I assure you, is not going to be in hell, there will be no happiness, no joy, no parties, no peace, no comfort. It will be a place of absolute and complete insanity. 
Hell will be a place where people will have nothing but hatred and rage within themselves for all of eternity with never having any hope of quenching that hatred or that rage. It'll be a place of absolute depravity and hopelessness, a place that is absolutely and completely inescapable. As the one commentator says, after 10 billion years, they're no closer to the end than when they first entered in. That's the reality of the broad road. And Jesus says here that the vast majority, the many, will enter that way. Which leads to my question, why in the world would anybody choose the broad road that leads to hell? Remember my description at the beginning? They look at the gate. It's easy to walk through. They look at the road. It seems smooth. People seem happy. But what they can't see is what's over the horizon. Like, I can guarantee you if, if people could see the literal place of hell, I think their lives would change drastically. But the problem is, is, is the broad road is in, very, very tempting. It, it's a way that seems pleasing to the eye. Because we all have this thing inside of us called a sin nature. And that broad road, appeal, road appeals to it greatly. It's a, it's a road of self-indulgence that tells us that we can have whatever we want. That we don't have to deny ourselves anything. It's a road that says we never have to, de- we, 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 don't, we don't have to say no to ourselves. It's a road of, of least resistance. It's a road that, that most people in the world are on. It's a road that openly welcomes anyone who will take it. And many travel this road because they're convinced that that's the road that's going to bring them true happiness. Why in the world would I want to choose a road that makes me deny myself, that that makes me give the authority of my life over to another? I don't don't want anybody having authority over my life. I don't want to change. I like my sin. You know how many people live like that? They willingly and knowingly walk down the broad road because they don't want what the narrow road has to offer. They don't want to tell themselves no. No. They want their sin. See, the broad road blinds people to reality. Many go down this road even thinking they're on their way to heaven. You know, the the Jews of Jesus' day, they were convinced that the path to heaven was through the law. There was through their, their adherence, there was through their good works and their good deeds because they were good people. And you know how many people still live that way today? I'm a good person. God's not going to send me. Why would God send me to hell? I ain't killed nobody. I haven't done anything real bad. Why would he do that? People, it's it's self-righteousness. A self-righteous person thinks they can, they think they're on the narrow road because of how good they are. But can I tell you something? I don't want to be the person who stands before God and has to compare my righteousness to Christ's. Because remember, the only way we get in is through Christ. He became sin who knew no sin, that we could become the righteousness of Christ in or through Him, right? The only entrance into heaven is if we look like Jesus, if we're perfect, if we're pure, if we're holy, if we're spotless, if we're blameless. One sin messes that up. 
The self-righteous person has no hope in and of themselves to ever stand before God and have them accept Him. You know, many churchgoers think that because they got baptized as the baby, that got them through the narrow gate. Well, can I tell you something? That's not what the Bible says. <coughs> many churchgoers, they take communion like we took tonight. And they're convinced that that sanctifies them and makes them holy and is part of their getting into heaven. Can I tell you something? Those things in and of themselves have nothing to do with getting through that narrow gate. It's a personal decision to make Christ Lord and Savior of our lives. See, people don't go down the broad road thinking that it's going to end in their demise. The vast majority of them really believe they're on the right road, but it's nothing more than a delusion. The broad road is a road that blinds people to reality. In the end, it will end in their eternal destruction. As the book of Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12 says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but its end is death. See, these verses that Jesus gave was a choice. It was a choice that he gave them, and it's a choice that we still have today. It's a choice that people, our family members, our, our neighbors, our co-workers, it's a choice all of them as individuals are responsible to make. It's a choice that we need to tell people about. And it all comes down to what will we choose? Will we choose Jesus? Will we choose the, the narrow way of difficulty? Or will we choose the easy life? The easy life may be okay for a while, but remember where the end of the road leads. So as Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 30, he spoke this to the nation of Israel. He says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. And he says, oh, that you would choose life. Friends, that's a choice. It's not just a gate. It's not just a road. It's life or death. For eternity. The question is, is what, will each, what will we choose? The question is, what will, be, what will the people in our, in our lives choose? For us, let's make sure we've chosen rightly. And let's make sure we tell the people in our lives that, that don't know Christ the truth of what Jesus spoke here today. And, and I'll just say this as well as I close. There are some people who know the gates there, that recognize the gates there. They, they say in their minds they're going to make the decision to walk through that gate someday. But can I tell you this? The further down that broad road you go, the more difficult it is to get back through that narrow gate. You know, there's passages of, of Scripture in the Bible, one of them being Pharaoh, way back in the book of Exodus, talks about how his heart became so hard, got hard in his heart so much, that no matter what signs God showed him, he still refused to submit. And I can tell you this, every time a person says no to Jesus, I believe with all my heart that their heart, it's almost like this picture of just little pieces of it turning to stone. 
piece by piece by piece. Every time they say no, it gets a little harder. And it'll get to the point that they've hardened their hearts so bad that there is no way back. It's a gate we need to choose today. Not wait till tomorrow, not wait till next week. Choose Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for this time in your word. Thank you for for Jesus. I thank you, Christ, for what you've done. For the hope that you've given us in you. God, first and foremost, I just pray that every person in this place, Lord, has made the decision to walk through that narrow gate, that they've, they've counted the cost, they've, they, they know the road's not going to be easy, but they're choosing it anyways. God, I pray that, that every single person in this place would, would know without a shadow of a doubt when they leave this place that they are on their way to life with you. Heavenly Father, give us the grace and strength to be able to speak these truths to our unsafe family members, our unsaved neighbors, our co-workers, our community. God, there's only two ways and people are going to end up in heaven or hell. And God, we're the only ones standing in their way. So Father, let us direct them to the right path. Let's direct them to you. and Give us the grace and strength to do it. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.